Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today, uh, as ever, it's our Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce, our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly, and we've also got Christian Walsh and Dan Kay. Uh, and there's only one place we're going to start, and it's with somebody who doesn't even play for Liverpool anymore, doesn't even play football anymore, and that's Stephen Gerrard James. Do you think it's the right decision for him in the end? Yeah, 100%. I think no great surprise. I think um, I remember sitting down with him doing an interview at the, the start of the year um, as he was preparing to go back to LA, and he, he said then that you know he fully expected it to be his last season as a, as a footballer. Um, you know, he was hoping for that, that silver lining, obviously, in the MLS. That didn't happen. Um but you know, I think I think you could tell from recent months, with obviously the injury problems he's had, um, that he wasn't able to, to to produce at the level that he's been used to for so long. Um, so yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense. You know, when you've achieved as much as he has done in the game, he's got nothing left to prove. And uh, you know, I, I think he, he's spot on with the decision he's made. Andy, was there a sense that perhaps this was inevitable at this particular time? Yeah, I think for most Liverpool fans, you know, Steven Gerrard probably retired the day. He left Anfield, to be honest. I mean, what what he's done in America, for all the good intentions he had in going there, and I think, I agree with James, I think he fully intended to sort of, you know, try and get get the trophy over there. He's spoken about that. But, um, you know, his legs had essentially gone. Uh, that happens to every footballer, sadly, and it happens to even the great ones, and Steven Gerrard was um, certainly up there in the, you know, the top three greatest to ever play for Liverpool and you know many people's number one and it, it was inevitable and um, I think he's made the right decision uh, any further attempts at whatever level would probably only dilute the fantastic legacy he's left everyone and you know I, I remember standing on the cop and, and saying to the lads next to me you know we're really lucky to be watching the Reds when Steven Gerrard's there. And he used to get stick Steven Gerrard from sections of the crowd at times. And, you know, that, I think that's what we were discussing at the time. And I was saying, you know, we, I was saying, we'll, we'll be talking about being here when Gerrard played if we're lucky enough to be around in 20 or 30 years. And uh, I know I'm going to feel that. Christian, Stevie mentioned that he didn't want to embarrass himself by going on for playing a bit too long. But do you feel as though perhaps he could have still done a job for Liverpool had he... You know, switched over for the last few months of the season, or not? No, I don't. To be honest, I I could I could definitely see the, the the impact he could make, and I could see the sort of the lift he would give the dressing room, and and you know the the, the attributes that he could bring to the side. He bring a little bit more experience. He bring somebody who could play in that number six role. But I just feel like Klopp's football is so energetic and high pressing and relies on so much lateral movement that I just don't think it would be would be suited to, to Stevie's uh, to Stevie's attributes and he, he could have come back as a centre back that, that, that's the one sort of position that maybe I would have liked to have seen him do in a Klopp team because let's face it Liverpool are home certainly against 75-80% of the teams in the Premier League they're going to see 70% of the ball um, you wouldn't mind seeing a few of the tackles, would you? No, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it, you know, and if, if you see what Klopp's done already with converting Lucas from a midfielder to a defender, you see what he's done obviously with Milner as well. You know, you you would have back Klopp maybe to to have him as a to have him as a, an option as centre back. But I think it's it's I think you know if he would have, if he would have came to Anfield as a player, it would have been his impact would have been felt more sort of on the training grounds, off the fields, and and his presence in general more than on it. I just think 
Liverpool in general, as a, you know, as the general comments where they are at the moment, they don't need reinforcements at that end of the pitch. It's more they might need a, uh, you know another winger maybe to uh, to compensate for Mane's absence, maybe a, you know another attacking player. But I think there's a sort of well stocked at the moment in, in midfielders and defenders. So you know you look you look at how he's done and he's had a couple of injuries which he alluded to himself in the uh, you know the, the interview he gave to BT Sport. So. Personally, no, I don't. I don't think it would have been nice to see him back. Um, and it, you know, it would have been sentimentally a, a, a real feel-good story. But I just, unless he was coming back as sort of a fourth, fifth choice centre back, and, and and you know, an emergency hold him in field, I just don't see how he would have adapted to Klopp's style of play. Dan, Steven Gerrard, Liverpool coach. Do you reckon we'll see that anytime soon? It does feel kind of inevitable, doesn't it? I mean, it, the news broke earlier this week that. Uh, he isn't going to be going to Milton Keynes Dons. He's talked for some time about, well, even before he left Anfield in May of last year, how he felt it was kind of it wasn't a permanent break, and how he hoped he would be coming back. And all the noises we've heard coming out of the club at the time and ever since, and also from Jurgen in his press conference only a couple of hours ago, kind of indicated that may well be the case. The interesting thing, I guess, will be it, in, where will he come in? Will it be kind of like? away from the first team, looking after the, looking after the, the younger players. From what I understand, he's, he, he is doing his coaching badges, but he isn't fully qualified as yet. Um, I mean, we were chatting around the office before, and there is a school of thought that says, he can imagine, if, if, if it was a, a manager with, with a, a less forceful and dynamic personality than Klopp, other managers would possibly feel threatened by having someone like Gerard on the backroom staff, because all it would take would be a couple of bad results, and the press would be on the case of moving him up. I'm not necessarily sure that Klopp, that would worry Klopp so much because he is very much his own man and I don't think, I think he would be able to handle that situation. But just I think. Wander, wander off and play a bit more tennis, wouldn't he? Well, you, you just don't get the impression that that would, you know, Klopp, Klopp just think. moves on, doesn't he? I, I, to me, I think it would make sense, certainly initially, to bring him back, you know, get him back through the doors, looking after the kids, finish all his qualifications and gradually work his way up through the system because I think there is a feeling in the game that there's. Too many managers who get big jobs haven't really kind of earned their trade. And I don't think it would do him any harm to kind of work his way up through the ranks. I'm sure he'll still be involved in various ambassadorial roles for the club. Um, but it's it, it's it's just hard to envisage him really at any other club, isn't it? He's got Liverpool running through him like a stick of rock. James, he, he mentioned actually when he was talking about why he turned down the MK Don's job, was that he said it was too soon. So as, as Dan's kind of mentioned, does that suggest that he's quite happy to go through the ranks and, you know, serve his time at the, you know, being an assistant manager or whatever, because he even mentioned that today when he did the interview yeah. with Gary Lineker, he's mentioned that he could become an assistant manager. Yeah, I think so. I think I think he, you know, he obviously thought long and hard about the MK Don's job, you know, it was his if he wanted it, but, you know, I, I think he made the right call there because I think that would have been a, a huge challenge for him to take on, you know, especially so soon after coming back from LA to be thrown in at the deep end in a relegation battle in League One. Um, would it would have been uh, would have been some challenge. So I think I think he, I think yeah I think I think he will take his time. Um, you know he's after all the travelling and and all the commitments he's had. I think he'll just want some family time to weigh up the next move. I, I think probably a role at the academy remains the most likely next step for him. Um, but I think it's a difficult one because you know nothing is set in stone at the moment with Liverpool. I think you know if you speak to people they you know I think that they they hope it will happen. But you know it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one because obviously he wants it to be a, a real meaningful role where he can make a difference. Um, you know certainly not an opening at the moment in terms of the first team staff. So that you know the the, the academy is the most likely place to do that. 
You know, I think Stephen's also had the offer to go around Europe and spend time with various top-level managers to see how they operate. And obviously, he's got his punditry work with BT Sport. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see kind of you know a big move either back to Liverpool or or anywhere else. I think in the near future, I think he'll he'll bide his time and 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 you know he'll want to get those coaching badges complete before he thinks about uh, a main job. Um, as well as the coaching at the academy, I could see him having a massive impact on player recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've heard that Liverpool are, you know, instigating this sort of, you know, wage structure at the academy and you know, basic starting at forty thousand a year and everything else. Um, you know that that isn't going to be what some parents want to hear for their kids. You know, for and you know, for every parent has the right to choose uh, as do the kids, but. You can imagine if Steven Gerrard turns up on your doorstep and comes in for a coffee and goes, oh, I'd like we Johnny at, at Kirby or whatever with us. That's going to have an impact on you. Uh, not just not just Liverpool supporting families, but other families who know Steven Gerrard as a huge presence in world football and he sat in your living room saying, I want your lad. I mean, I think that could be huge. So as well as doing, you know, finishing his badges, doing some starting off his coaching at Kirby before... You know, stepping up perhaps to help Pep Linders at uh, at Melwood with the you know the futures group, the the young players who sort of come over from the academy. Um, I think player recruitment is where he could have a massive impact, and both those things would allow him to continue with his TV work, which he seems keen to. He did. Sorry, I was just going to say he could become Liverpool's Beckenbauer, couldn't he? Mm. In, in that sense, he could be. You know, the, he's the sort of figurehead where. You know, we're talking about the the academy there, but also first team as well in terms of you know, which has happened before, didn't it? Brendan Rogers alluded to that. Yeah, yeah, I think he was yeah. texting Tony, could send the WhatsApp messages to Tony Cruz, That's wasn't right. he? Yeah, you know, trying to trying to recruit <laughs> him from Real. a bit early for him though. I mean, you got a bit of money. I know he's only just hung up his boots. He's thirty six. No, he yeah, I'm, wanna, not, I'm, not take take him, I'm not saying put him in a club suit and and you know, restrict him to that. But get him up, you know, as soon as as he expresses interest, get him on the books. You know, get him, get him, make sure he is Liverpool, and and make sure that he sort of because he is Liverpool. Do you think? And, do you think that we'd want to do that? Because you get the impression just from what he said is that he's quite keen to go off and become involved in a in, in the in coaching. coaching cup, but there's no yeah. reason he couldn't do that. No, to but be do you think someone? I mean, have you, have you heard about Steve Highway, for instance? Obviously, massive figure at the academy back there at the moment. But you know, when, when you read all things about him, you know, he talks about you know going round to parents' houses, and you know, Steve Highway for a certain generation of parents would have been you know a very famous mm. footballer indeed. In, in, well, in, in, but he was also a coach, though, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, have, have for him. I don't think you'd use Gerard for every one, but we all know there's young players who every club wants, say in the northwest, and everyone's trying to get them. And there'll be different things. You'd imagine there'll be more, you know, more money on the table from City at Liverpool. There's more opportunity, and perhaps the Gerard factor could could swing it for you as well. And uh, you know, I'd, I don't see any downsides to that uh, as, as long as you used it in the right way and and sparingly. And I I could see him having. That would certainly give him, if what he wants to do is make sure he's got a worthwhile and role that can be an impact at the club, that sort of thing, bringing in fantastic talent at the bottom end. Um, he knows himself, you know, what can emerge at the other end. I mean, if you're Steven Gerrard, though, and you get a call from, I don't know, someone like Bolton or somebody perhaps at a championship side, do you want to come and take over as manager? It's six months down the line. What what do you do? Well, I mean, the all of this is sort of this where is, he takes is, his first step. Yeah, we're talking is, about it's as though he's like he's he's involved with Liverpool, but then he gets a call from a, another club to take on a bigger role. The Liverpool then get. I know it's all very hypothetical, but you see what a bit where I'm you, going you with this. You don't necessarily yeah. have to go. I mean, look at Zidane. 
I mean, mm. he, he he didn't go away and earn his stripes anywhere other than Real Madrid B. You know, he didn't, you know, and he won the uh, Champions, Champions League. League last season, albeit of Let's Go, should have won, we know. Yeah. But um, Real Madrid have got some good players, like. Of course. And so I was questioning, the debate then is, do you go away and, and do your time in in small grounds and at smaller clubs, or do you just go, I'm Steven Gerrard, the place I can have the most impact is at Anfield because people know that, you know, I am the essence of this place. What's he going to learn? Well, yeah. Teaching, yeah. teaching players at the Macron Stadium. How relatable is it to what you're doing? Yeah, exactly. That's well, a good that, point, you know, well, well, what's what, yeah. you know, everyone says, oh, they've got to work their way up, et cetera, et cetera. You know, very, very few managers do that nowadays, I think, and I think you can easily get stuck. Let, let's face it, Steven Gerrard, his ultimate goal, hopefully, is to become manager of Liverpool Football Club. I don't see how doing the dog work on a Wednesday night in Shrewsbury, for example, is going to sort of be be transferable when it comes to actually you know, managing a, a top Premier League club. Would he learn more then from, say, watching or working alongside Jurgen Klopp for two years than he would do six months at well, Bolton Law and a year at MK Dogs? In a similar way that what United seemingly have, Manchester United seemingly have tried to do with Ryan Gabe, because there was a lot, you know, he's been linked with the odd job here and there, Swansea and a few others. And at the minute he's not involved at all, is he? But it's interesting that what it was probably more than two years since he's hung up his boots, he hasn't gone anywhere else. And it, but he obviously has two years of assistant manager under Louis Van Gaal under his belt. So that same principle may well apply. And personally, I think that would actually serve him in better stead than going to Bolton or wherever. James, in the short term. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I can see. I can see both sides. To be honest, I think I, I hope that Liverpool move quickly and get him back in some capacity because I think. I think obviously what Andy said about Zidane is right, but the, the, probably the difference there was Zidane had a, a set role from the from the start behind the scenes that it was obviously a rewarding one that he could see a, a pathway and progress in. And I think that's the key for Liverpool to to make sure that they you know they do find a role. And it's not easy because you know, it's all well and good saying he can have a play part to play in recruitment. We've just given Michael Edwards the role of sporting director, and his job is 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 to recruit and. You know, then he does that for the academy, so you can't, you know, he can't be bringing in Stephen Gerrard to trample on his toes, and he wouldn't want to do that anyway. Similarly, it's all right saying give him a coaching job at the academy. Well, you've got Michael Beale, you've got Neil Critchley, loads of other highly respected youth coaches who have done a great job down there. You can't suddenly sideline them and say you're all right, Stephen will take today's session. So, but the problem is if you don't move quickly to to to, to give him something that he that he can really get his teeth into. Then the issue is then that he'll be inundated with offers, as we've seen already. You know, he's only been back in the country a few days, and he could have been the manager of a League One football club. And I think we've seen with Stephen before, dialing back to the summer of two thousand and five, that he does need to be needed. He needs to be appreciated. That was part of the problem back then. That he, despite saying on the pitch, "How could I leave after Istanbul?" Weeks and weeks went by without a firm offer from the club. Now, as we all know, it all got sorted out in the end. But I think. James is absolutely 100% right. If Liverpool want him back, they need to strike while the iron's hot, really. I think it's 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 Liverpool have to control this, basically. And, and they have to figure out, as James says, this. It's, it's sort of a 50-50 situation. But the, no matter what role he ends up taking or how they get him into the club, I think the important thing is that they get him into the club. And then, ultimately, I think we talked about this before, I, I, for me, the ultimate goal is to prepare him to be the next manager of Liverpool to take over Jurgen Klopp. Now, it would be no different to signing up a young player from, from somewhere 14, 15 years of age and trying to make him the next Daniel Sturridge. Now, there's no guarantee that's going to happen, 
and a lot of things can happen in that time and obviously there the, the can be players from you know other clubs who, who come and go just like managers but when Jurgen Klopp is ready to step down as manager and we all hope that's what six years time because he's just signed a new six year contract he does his seven years at Anfield he's not going to be at Anfield forever we all know that but let's say he does his seven years just like he did seven with Mainz and seven with Dortmund the, the, the idea should be for Liverpool have got a have got Steven Gerrard ready to take over. Now that mightn't happen. He mightn't take to the role. He mightn't be ready for the role. Diego Simeone might be one of the best managers in the world, and I might be flushing his eyes. No one knows what's going to happen in the next six or seven years, but they need to get him in. Well, if Simeone takes over now, we'll know it's come from. Well, yeah, exactly the mole. <laughs> but the, ultimately, the, the the end game for Liverpool should be to to try and prepare this this, this man to become the next manager of Liverpool. Totally agree with that. I think it's it, it's what needs to happen. Take Piercy's point about coaching ready at the academy, but what I would say is that they've always shown the desire and ability to use resources of of, of former Liverpool players and what they do there. We've seen Rob Jones go up there. We've seen Robbie Fowler come in regularly. Steve McManaman. They're all there doing their bit uh, now and again on on some occasions. But you can imagine Gerard's role being what they do, but on a more sort of regular basis yeah, if you like he'd, he'd want to make more substantial yeah absolutely he, he, Dan's absolutely spot on he, he, he needs to be wanted Stephen as Piercy said you know, I think maybe in the last pod that, that one of the one of the things why Liverpool lost them when they did maybe a year too early whatever was that you know the, the infamous way in which he felt that the club didn't want him they were messing about weren't they basically this is, this, is, this is all ground and we want. Just, just, yeah. just one final thing then on, on, on Gerard is James, you were at Jurgen Klopp's press conference today and nearly all of the questions were about <laughs> Steven Gerrard. <laughs> some game against Sunderland Appling later this week. Um but he kind of teased a little bit, didn't he, Mr. Klopp? Yeah, I think it was it was kind of a strange one to try and read into, wasn't it? Because I you know, I think most people were expecting, you know, a, a, a gushing eulogy about Stephen Gerrard, the world-class midfielder that he'd watched from afar with great respect for so many years, and it didn't really happen. I think he was, I think he was just loath really to, to to comment on on a player that he never managed, and you know he he didn't he didn't really take too kindly to the to the <laughs> persistent questioning. And I think what what he did say was he said you know the the door's always open, um, and you know, I think it was, the quote was um, you know um, there'll be an, I'm sure there'll be an announcement at, at some point. I think you know that I don't think that means that. There's a role for Steven Gerrard already sorted that they're just waiting to pick a date when it's going to be announced. That's that's not the case, but um, but no, I think I think it's a difficult one for Klopp because I think he doesn't want it. I think he was he was also slightly irritated at it, that he you know I think eventually probably after about ten minutes of the press conference, someone asked him about Sunderland on Saturday and he, he said ah football and uh, and then well and done, Mike Hughes really yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. so he's in the good books now. But he, I think I think he was just and then he went off on one about you know how. You know, he, he, people weren't asking about Sunderland because everyone thinks the game's already won, the points are in the bag yeah. already, and all that. So I think I think it was part of that that he, you know, Liverpool are flying at the moment, aren't they? And I think you know he was he was very respectful, but he also didn't want it to be an un, unwanted distraction. Well, I mean, and that's what some fans we know have been wary of, isn't it? In the Gerard factor in possibly becoming a distraction, mm. and I think that's why he seriously probably considered MK Dons in the sense that he will hear some of those comments and that that. That that would probably hurt him, and he he knows that he wants to go somewhere where he, as Jim says he's going to have a really positive impact. But I think the majority of fans believe that can be at Liverpool. 
well, I think 20 minutes talking about Steven Gerrard and not mentioning Istanbul once has got to be a record, <laughs> I think. Right, we'll, we'll talk about something else now. And uh, Andy and James, you were both at a very cold Kirby last night, very cold, in which you saw a certain, well, one of the many Gomez that were playing on the night. But Joe Gomez was the, the main one, and he come through it fairly well, didn't he? He did, yeah. He was um, very composed. Um, it's great to see him back in a Liverpool shirt. I think it had been 13 months since he'd last had a competitive outing. For the Reds, um, you know, obviously much tougher tests to come in Burnley. Were were outclassed on the night. It was four 0 could easily have been seven or eight. Um, but yeah, ninety minutes under his belt. So you know, important step on the comeback trail for him. Obviously, having played that behind closed doors game against Accrington during the international break. Um, and yeah, he's just he's just a class act, isn't he? I think we saw that at the um, you know at the, at the start of last season, where you know I remember when he came in, Brendan Rodgers saying to me that you know probably the probably sent him out on loan because you know, he's one for the future and then he did that well in pre-season he ends up starting the Premier League at left back and similarly you know since he's kind of got back into training there's been whispers about him maybe going out on loan I think Huddersfield you know, obviously keen in January but you know I, I wonder with the ability he's got whether he might spring another surprise and and those you know think any thoughts of sending him out on loan again a, a dash because I think he, he could have a part to play for Liverpool in the second half of the season I mean, Andy, you watch a lot of the under-23s and the under-18s and the under-9s, if they had an under-19, you just can't get it off. Don't start those stories yet, please. <laughs> anyway, um, comparatively speaking, how does Gomez look? Because he's, he's kind of of that same age, isn't he? You forget that he's only, he's, is he only 19? He's 19. 19. You forget that. Is I, the, I, I did forget it when we were doing the story last weekend about his comeback and uh, the fact that it was, you know, it was on and uh, just going back over some of the things we'd written about before. I was like, wow, he's only... He's only 19 and has done like a year out, hasn't he? And that, that's that's incredible. He he played on the on the right of a back three last night, and uh, it just shows his adaptability again. Um, I mean, I think he's still got a long way to go, is what I'd say, he's, he, fitness wise. But just in terms of, you know, obviously match practice. We saw Danny Ings sort of play, you know, good number of under 23s games before he was able to. You know, go back to sort of the first team bench, and then, and then of course, you know, he was so cruelly picked up another injury. But what struck me last night at Kirby um, was his distribution. I forgot like what a good passer of the ball he is. You know, really, really snappy in it. Uh, the best sign I thought was um, the centre forward for Burnley. He was probably their most. Uh, with apologies to him, I've forgotten his name. Bayude, I think it might have been, but uh, he was quick uh, and. He was basically Burnley came and played a one-nine-one uh, formation, and this this lad was basically up front in his own. But he 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 was obviously getting frustrated and left one on Gomez in the second half, and uh, he was sort of down on his knees for a bit. Gomez, but it was sort of he got up and he, he sort of thought to himself, "I'm glad he did that because I think he was he was wanting a little test as well." And uh, that was the best sign of the game. You know, he got a, he got fouled relatively badly. And uh, and got up and you, know, you probably won't want too many more of them, obviously. But uh, a long way back. But you know, there's there's a lot more under twenty three football this season. So you'll get his opportunities. Whether that will be at Derby again away uh, on Monday, I'm not sure. Whether they think you know Wednesday Monday turnaround is, is too quick on his first games back. But uh, you know, looking forward to seeing him. The difficulty, of course, is they've already got Sacco and Alori fill in those two roles at the under twenty three. So. That might necessitate um, the back three option, which is what what what, what Michael Beale did last night, or it might be that uh, um, you know Gomez could 
slotting at full-back, as we saw him in the first team last season. Kristen, it's one of the great football cliches, which I'm now going to put on you, but when he does make his comeback, will it be like signing another player? It will be like a new signing, yeah. Ian. It will be. I think I even wrote that in the summer. <laughs> James Pearce wrote it last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Walkman-wise, they were all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Walkman-wise, they were all the time. They recycle. Uh, no, but, you know, it's all about recycling. <laughs> I think you'll find they're very dead. Anyway. <laughs> Move on and concentrate, yeah. please. The BBC do it. Yeah. Um, is this going to be on Dave in about three years? <laughs> yeah. On like a, a podcast version of Dave. We're just going to listen to ourselves again and again forever. Joe Gomez. <laughs> he's he's got to give something to this Klopp team eventually. I mean, we all know that he was a big fan of him, Jürgen Klopp, already. Um, and it was the worst time possible for him to get injured. Uh, but... I think the fact that he can play in so many positions, uh, I tell you what is helping him is, is James Milner and, and the season he's having. Because Joe Gomez, when he usurped um, Moreno from the, that left back position, it was a bit like, well, what's he doing playing a left a right footer on the left hand side? How ridiculous is that? You never see that. And lo and behold, I think James Milner's been one of the top three left backs in, in the country this season, and, and he's doing that as a, as a right footer. Now, obviously, James Milner's a little bit different. He's been, you know, he's 30 years old, he's one of the most experienced players in the squad. He's a model pro, um, but at the same time, I, I do think that gives a little bit of balance to Liverpool in, in the sense that uh, you know when when Milner cuts it on onto his cut, you know opens up his body onto his right foot, he's got the whole pitch to play with rather than and you know Moreno did all right against Tottenham and Palace, but you know when Moreno's left footed, it, it didn't look didn't quite look right sometimes in terms of he, he goes to the byline a lot more. Whereas I think a lot of Liverpool's play is 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 good centrally intricate when people are moving around in, in central positions and it helps that the left back's right footed so you know my point on this very long point is that <laughs> Joe Gomez is a is a right footed player and he's played left back before and you know I know obviously Moreno will be is the number two choice at left back but he's an option as well he's, he's definitely got, got, got a chance of of taking over Milner even in the long term, you know I think he is going to be a centre back. I think you know when he develops, he could even become a holding midfielder. I wouldn't rule that out. I could see him as a number six on the clock. But at the same time, if you know if if, if so let's say Milner gets injured and then let's say uh, Moreno's you know out of form or whatever, instead of moving Klein over and there's no right back, we've got Gomez there as a potential left back. So yes or no, would it be like signing a new player? Yeah, Thank two you. of them. Thank you. Uh, Dan, do you think it's a case now of just final thing on Gomez, just letting him get on with it? Do you know, I know there's going to, always going to be the big furore about all the attention of him making his comeback after so long, but is it now just a matter of he's nowhere near, as Andy said, nowhere near the first team yet? Just a matter of getting the games under his belt? I think so, and I think supporters will just be pleased to see that he's back in the equation again because he looked very, very accomplished, very composed, real maturity in the half a dozen or so games that he played at the beginning of last season. Still, you, know, you, you saw signs of... The fact that he is a bit raw, and I think he gave away a bit of a soft penalty in the, the defeat at Old Trafford last September. But by and large, you know, he um, he definitely showed he had a big future. And talking about the, you know, Ali saying last night he played on the right right side of a of a back three. Obviously, we saw him play left back for a few games last season, and as Christian's mentioned, there he is an option for Jurgen there. But um, and obviously, we hope it doesn't happen because I think he's you, you mentioned James Milner being one of the best three left left backs in the league. Well, I think. Nathaniel Klein's probably been one of the best three right-backs as well. But who would be number two to Klein should he pick up an injury? 
Well, Trent, 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 Trent Alexander Arnold, you would say at yeah, the moment. Yeah, he plays well against Tottenham. You should mention Conor Randall because he yeah. you know, did it a bit last season. But I, I think you'd have to throw Joe Gomez into that equation as well yeah. because the fact that he's got some first team experience under his belt, he did take to it like a duck to water. But I think you're right, Ian, and what you're saying that after the kind of the initial flurry of excitement that yeah, he's back in a red shirt. I think we like we all need to kind of like ease off a little bit now, let himself ease himself back into regular football, get match fit. And give uh, the boss some selection dilemmas, which I'm sure is what he wants. Klopp, Klopp will love the size of him. You know my theory on Klopp that if you're over six foot, it automatically adds one on, on, on you to his rating. And uh, Klopp will love the size. He's a big of him. lad. He's that, growing, isn't he? that basically means that most people in here are out. But you're okay. I'm all right. Okay. <laughs> well, we mentioned Sunderland before. It is Sunderland next on Saturday. Yes. Uh, and. You pointed out that David Moyes, the Sunderland manager, has a fantastically brilliant record at Anfield. <laughs> and guaranteed a warm reception as well. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, 13 games yeah. and the fantastic total of zero wins. Yeah, yeah, and obviously I think um, it was that famous one he came back with with Everton, wasn't it, when uh, it was his 10-year anniversary mm. and he had the cop uh, chanting for 10 more years. Um, he obviously also had a rough ride when uh, on the one, one occasion he brought United to Anfield as well. Um, but um, no, I think I think Klopp was his his message at the press conference was very much you know this is not a gimme you know I think he was he felt he, that there wasn't much talk about Sunderland he said because too many of you think that the points are already in the bag um, you know he, he said he's watched a lot of them uh, this week which you have to feel for him having spent a lot of time watching them um, but he said that even even before their two recent wins against Bournemouth and, and Hull. He said that they'd been unfortunate. You know, he pointed out a few late late goals that had gone against them, um, and in particular picked out the front two. Obviously, Anna Chavy and, and Defoe, who Liverpool know all about, um, said you know both of them obviously scored last weekend and, and said they're going to be a handful. So, um, so no, I think uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a game that Liverpool should win comfortably. You know, it's, you know if, if they're anywhere near the level they've been at Anfield so far this season, then then they'll blow Sunderland away. But um, you know, I think the manager was just keen to ensure that. Uh, but the focus was very much on that and, and nothing else. Andy, you were at the Sunderland game last season at Anfield. It was a bit of an odd one, wasn't it? Because for a start, Jurgen Klopp wasn't there because I think he was recovering from appendicitis. And it was the game where obviously Liverpool fans walked out after 70 minutes over the tickets prices and they ended up throwing away a 2-0 lead. It is. There was the honour edifying spectacle of uh, an entire Anfield press box trying to count uh, people as they left the stadium <laughs> and, uh, and various estimates being done, which I think eventually ended at ten to fifteen thousand, because no one could really work it out. But uh, yeah, obviously the row over the ticket prices. Uh, I think we we're talking February, are we? From it was February, February, wasn't it? Yeah. February, yeah. And uh, um, the fans made their feelings very well known. I mean, what we should say is that um, whatever you think about the initial decision on that, at least the ownership of the club listened very quickly changed their mind and and the the, the two year sort of ticket freeze on most prices that they they, they then announced to, was relatively warmly received. There were good bits in, in that announcement as well about young fans and local fans which have already been introduced. Uh pleased to say we've got a story coming up later in the week about the young fans coming into Anfield. And uh it's um I think it, it's a very different atmosphere as as a club obviously uh, Pep Linders was was uh, well certainly did the press conference and was uh, was the sort of figurehead for the club that uh, that day and uh, that was the you know that shows Jurgen Klopp's um, belief in Pep Linders as a coach and uh, uh, and as someone who can sort of 
um, express his, his his views on a game. I remember him coming in and being sort of maybe more positive about the game than most of us thought, given that we'd thrown away a two 0 lead somehow. Um, I'm a I'm a little little bit worried about your stat on Moyes, if if only because. Yeah, you know, there's there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. But I've so, got another one for you. Sunderland haven't won Anfield since 1983. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you another one then. Out of those 13 Moyes appearances, seven mm. were draws. They so were in more than one in two occasions. Liverpool didn't get a win, and so anything less, than, you know, if you end up with a draw on Saturday, following on from a nil nil, and I Sunderland think, not as good as it's ever in team. No, 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 they're not. And got it's another step for if you want. Only Everton have drawn more games at Anfield in the Premier League era than Sunderland. And Sunderland, that, yeah. that says it all. And when you when you've got zero, you know, didn't score last week. I always think that there's a momentum to these things, and it's you know the longer it would go on Saturday, for instance, with with, with without a goal, and you you know there'd be a little bit of nervousness in the crowd. Now, hopefully, I just think as long as we go prepared that that we're a better team, but it might take a lot of work, then I think we'll win. But it does need that. Christian, four against Leicester, five against Hull, six against Watford, and me against Sunderland. I genuinely think Liverpool could score eight. Is that in the course of this one game or over the remainder of the season? That's just first half. Yeah. No. I, 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 I take your point about statistics, um, but I, I don't see what relevance. Now Queen getting his to be fair, to be fair, weeks. that's that's increased from early this week. We said it was going to be seven. It could be seven. <laughs> yeah, it could be eight. Could be nine. We could see double figures. I genuinely think Liverpool could. If Liverpool click against Sunderland, they could absolutely destroy them. And I know this will obviously be played in in, in the uh, <laughs> in the dressing room by Moisey beforehand. And uh, you know when they when I've got the, some news when, for you. It probably it probably won't. Won't. <laughs> and uh, and when an each of me one nil happens, I'm sure the. Uh, the Sunderland newspaper will uh, will be will be putting this this clip on Monday morning, but no, I I, I think what you got to remember about the Sun uh, the Southampton game is that they're one of the best defensive teams in the league in terms of they don't allow big chances against them. They do they do not they, they, the goals conceded is a little bit higher than it should be, but in general they don't concede good chances against them. And Liverpool made four five I think oh, said five didn't he five big chances against them. Sunderland, I don't know, there's no off the top of my head, but they can see something like eight big chances a game, 20, 20 shots a game. Like if Liverpool can hit stride, they will have a lot of chances to score a lot of goals, and, and I don't see why they wouldn't. Dan, what do you see happening? I mean, Christy makes a great point there about Southampton, the fact that Liverpool managed to create the chances. Mm. And Southampton set out like that because they were basically scared of Liverpool, weren't they? Mm. It's that fear factor that Liverpool have got now. So if you're the Sunderland boss, David Moyes, You've got a choice here, haven't you? You can either sit back with a defence that you know isn't very good and just mm. hope for the best, or you can fight fire with fire, knowing quite well that if you try and do that, you're probably going to get beat anyway, unless Liverpool have a terrible day. Yeah, I mean, I think bearing in mind they come into the game on the back of two wins, um, including you know, an away win at Bournemouth, which, you know, which isn't that easy place to go. It's certainly not, it's miles away. <laughs> I, w- I, w- I would imagine that he'd be, he'd be maybe slightly more inclined to go for the latter option that you put forward there. That being said... Dan, sorry, do you know who you're talking about? It's David Moyes, well, well, I'll introduce you to him. Yeah, well, that, that's why I'm saying, that being said, this is a David Moyes who throughout his time at Everton had a reputation of every time that his team got into, his team got themselves into a position where they could really move forward and do something constructive, they would bottle it and fall apart. The prime example, I would say, would be that semi-final against Liverpool at Wembley in 2012 when they were a goal up at half-time and literally 
didn't know what to do next. Yeah. Uh, I mean, teams have adopted a variety of different approaches against Liverpool this season uh, and not managed to tie them up or stop them scoring. I mean, Watford, I thought, played pretty well for a team that got beat 6-1. Um, their approach was probably a bit different to Hull when they Hull sat a lot deeper, but they still end up they still ended up conceding five. I think particularly going on particularly on the back of a, a goals draw at the weekend and a full week's rest and the fact that they have of course been knocked off top spot by um Chelsea now, I think the Reds will start fast, look to get a couple of early goals and hopefully, like Christian says, uh with a fair wind, uh, do a number on David Moyes on his side. Well, that should do us for this edition of the podcast. And if it does finish 8-0 and you don't put a bet on, Christian Walsh will be coming round to have a word with you. Cheerio. Ook bewust bezig zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 20,50 per maand met de Huawei P20 Lite. Nu met 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1000 MB 4G internet. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.